Hello, and welcome to yet another episode of 177 Nations of Tasmania. In today's episode, I'm talking with Elaine from the USA. Now, Americans, according to the last census, make up Tasmania's seventh largest migrant group, and it's a group that has also been growing. But of course, Americans are quite distinct from some of the other major migrant groups. They don't face the language barriers, and the cultures are quite similar. Or are they? So I'm very curious to hear about Elaine's experiences of settling down in Tasmania and what she's perceived as some of the differences between Australian and American culture and perhaps some of the misconceptions we have about each other's countries and cultures. So Elaine, could you tell me when you came to Tasmania and what was the reason for you coming? We came in 2013. We'd been living in Melbourne for nearly 19 years. Uh, my husband is a philosophy professor, and at the time he was working at Monash University, uh, which is quite different from in both the city and the university and the general feel of the place from here. And he was debating for quite a while about whether to make that kind of change and come here. And I was all for it because I was ready for a change in my own professional life as well, uh, to move from book editing to doing some writing of my own. And sometimes psychologically, we feel that a physical change of place is more conducive to making that kind of huge lifestyle change. So we did so, and we've both been quite happy that we did. And what was the attraction of Tasmania? It was quite close to the bush and because we both really enjoy hiking and outdoor pursuits, that was certainly an attraction. Uh, the mountain, Kanani, is here and lots of smaller walks that you can do. And it's all very close. And in Melbourne, you have to drive for quite a while to get outside the city, city limits. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of hours of driving to get outside of Melbourne in some cases. Yes. It? But what were the circumstances behind you um, giving the opportunity to come to Tasmania? Well, there happened to be a vacancy at University of Tasmania. They needed senior staff member in philosophy, and it just it seemed to be the right kind of move at the time. Melbourne, well, I'm not here to talk about Melbourne really, but it, it certainly is quite a amenable city as well. There's a lot of culture, a lot of music, a lot of jazz, if you want to listen to jazz. Um, there's a buzz, there's a vibe, but we were just ready for a slightly more manageable kind of way to live, I guess. We came to Australia in 1994, having been in the UK for two years before that. Okay. And so we haven't actually lived in the United States since 1992. We were in the habit of going, well, still are in the habit of going home for Christmas pretty much every year because uh, both Dirk and I are only children and we have quite small families and quite a few dear friends and we typically spend the holidays there. But as far as living, we've been expats really since 1992. I suppose in the back of my mind, I entertained the idea that oh, we'll stay in England forever, but it's expensive and it's not all that easy to to get around, I guess. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we got around a lot um, 
on weekends on the trains, which were great at the time, but we didn't have a car. Mm. Uh, Dirk's mom came to visit once. We hired a car, but it was it did feel in many ways kind of temporary. So I went back and forth between thinking, oh, we could we could stay here forever and thinking, look, it's just not really realistic. And also publishing is not the highest paid industry in the world. Yeah. And nor is academia at the junior levels at that time and that place. Yeah. Okay. So and so you moved to Melbourne after that. And was that sort of a fairly smooth transition? Like, did you find Melbourne drastically different? No. It, in some ways, it was more like North America. Mm -hmm. And in other ways, I, because of tradition, it, part of the Commonwealth, part of the, the British colonial tradition. So it was, it was good that we had been in England in the, in the interim period. Culturally, I think that at the time, I felt Australians were not as enamored of tradition for its own sake. Mm -hmm. And I found that a little bit um, discombobulating in some ways. I've become used to it, and I think it's a wonderful thing now. So when you say tradition for its own sake, do you mean compared to... Compared to the United States. Oh, okay. I was yeah. thinking the United Kingdom. Yeah. Holidays and things like that. I mean, often we hear people say, oh, Halloween, it's an American import, we're not going to do that. Well, of course, people do. I think that Australians also tend to make it their own. Mm -hmm. um, they may take influences from other cultures, but it's never going to be exactly the same, which is a great thing. It shows creativity and, and um, a sense of connection without being enslaved to the past. And so did you, when you, um, well, first, what were your first impressions of Tasmania after all those years in Melbourne? I believed it was a driving, that Hobart especially was a driving sort of town because we didn't have trains here, still don't have trains here. And I thought, oh, I'm going to have to drive everywhere. Well, you don't. As, as I was saying in our conversation earlier, 20 minutes down to the university, 45 minutes if you want to walk to the city. And I don't always. We have cars and there are buses. But that's very important to me is to sort of feel part of a city and that you can walk down the street. You can. One thing that I have noticed is you will see somebody you know no matter where you go in Hobart. And that's quite nice. It, it has that feeling of a, a small town without being provincial or rural or backward or anything like that. It's, it's friendly. It's a very a close kind of community. Yep. yep. And just maybe tell me a bit about the, 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 you came here sort of for, for work. Primarily for Dirk's work. And for me, I was... Uh, a book editor for quite a long time, and I kind of had enough um, for a variety of reasons. I wanted to work on my own fiction. And do you, have you like found uh, Tasmania more sort of conducive for that kind of thing, for the sort of the writing and so on? I suppose so, because in my circumstances, I'm not also trying to hold down a job and then just write in my spare time. Um, not so much the geography or the climate or anything, but just general circumstances. Mm -hmm. um, I have talked to quite a few people, though, who have come here as a result of a sea change or a tree change, mm -hmm. and there is a pretty vibrant creative community here.
So where did you grow up in the States? I grew up in a very small town in southern Ohio. So in some ways, the small town aspects of Hobart are familiar. Much, much smaller, though. We're talking 7,000 people rather than 250,000 people. Went to university at the largest university in Ohio, the Ohio State University, which is very different and very good. It's not what I'd call the most diverse college campus in the U.S., but it certainly was compared to smaller areas, smaller towns and farming communities and industrial places that had more jobs 40 years ago. Obviously small town, but what could you maybe tell me a bit more about what kind of place it was, what it was like growing um, up there? There was a steel mill and there was a um, nuclear energy plant. Not a lot of jobs, really, at the time. This was in the late 60s. And I think that it may have changed a bit, but I haven't been back for a while because um, parents are deceased and most of our friends kind of fled, not for the fled, but flew the coop and yeah. moved to more urban areas, either within the United States or elsewhere. Because I guess this is a higher part of the... Um what they call the Rust Belt in the US. It's yeah, about, definitely. So, so heavily industrialized and in manufacturing that's kind of been dying out. Yes, that's, that's certainly the case. Was it going to university that got you out of yes. the, the place? Yeah. yeah. And was that kind of a, uh, a big kind of, imagine that was quite a big cultural change yeah, I think so. Just because at the time, I was not really keen on knowing everybody <laughs> in the same community. I mean, I think as you grow up and, and you mature and you realize the benefits of that, there's a kind of taking care of one another, which is, which is a very good thing. But I just enjoyed traveling and seeing different things and meeting different people. I guess it's a perception that Australia and America are quite similar mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. So in what ways have you found that we're similar and what have you found that there are noticeable differences? Um, similar in, I think, a kind of, I mean, I mentioned friendliness earlier, but I think that that friendliness is something that we, we share mm -hmm. and generosity. Major differences, I think, in some ways, Americans want to set themselves apart and say we're special. Mm -hmm. And Australians don't make such a big point of it because we've got, sure, we're special. <laughs> Do we need to prove it, right? Um, and... Have there been any other cultural differences that you've just you've become aware of from living here that maybe you didn't sort of think of previously? There's, um, I'm not sure this counts as a cultural thing, but the healthcare thing, uh -huh. the fact that, I mean, yeah, liberal governments and labor governments to some extent have been chip, chip, chipping away at what's really has been a very good universal healthcare system here in Australia, but it's still light years ahead of what people of who have my educational and economic classification can expect. Mm -hmm. it, I mean, insurance, private health insurance. When I go to the doctor and they say, do you have private health insurance? I say, no, I haven't. No, I, I pay taxes. I am happy to pay taxes, and I want everybody to have good medical care yeah. and to be able to, if you need surgery, to be able to get it without waiting five years. And these things, we, I think Australians still realize that this is important to keep, but we need to be vigilant on that. Oh, another difference, pumpkin. Okay. There is a huge difference in how Australians and Americans regard pumpkin. Okay. 
So in Australia, it's a vegetable. You can roast it or you can make soup out of it. You can curry it. You can do all kinds of things with it, except pie. And in America, that is what we do with pumpkin. And that's pretty much all we do with pumpkin. <laughs> we make pumpkin pie, which is a delicious well, thing to eat. Say I grew up on pumpkin pie. Oh. But in Australia. Yeah, but that's because my grandfather used to make it and he spent two years um, in Pasadena in California. Okay. And he learned to cook in America. And he did all the cooking when we visited my grandparents. Right. I made pumpkin pie. My mum always made pumpkin pie. But did they use a real pumpkin? Yeah. Well, there you go. That's different too. You didn't get it in a tin. Oh, really? <laughs> you got to get it in a tin. Okay. Otherwise, you have to cook the pumpkin, take the peel off, and get the seeds out, which is all quite interesting and fulfilling <laughs> and very satisfying in some ways, but it's different. Yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't even know where to get the pump. I don't, can you get that in Australia? You have to go to Melbourne and go to a, a grocery store called USA Foods. Oh, okay. <laughs> if you want. That's specialized. <laughs> yes. Maybe think of another... Um, common perceived difference is in in religion and yes. just the role that it plays. It seems to be far more important in America. Oh, yes, definitely. And um, people who have no religious belief at all, mm -hmm. that's just perfectly acceptable here. It, yeah, it is yeah. less so in the United States. I mean, I think, of course, there are people who are atheist or simply not particularly religious, but they're not quite as vocal about it. Yeah. And there is, I think, quite a bit of pressure to be either part of a, a church community or a religious community, if you're Jewish, religious community, okay, identify as um, people of particular faith. And you don't see that that much here. There's the, the talk of God in the United States is ubiquitous. Of course, uh, a lot of Australians, because we have very close connections between Australia and the United States on many different levels, and Australians often have quite, uh, you know, st I don't know, strong views, that's not the right word, but... Um, perceptions? Yeah, perceptions, very particular perceptions about the United States. What are some, and I'm sure you've come across some of those, what do you think... Do you think Australians have an accurate perception of America and Americans? I think it depends on whether they have traveled there or whether they're getting their information from television. Mm -hmm. um, and even traveling, you're not going to meet everybody. Hopefully, you're going to meet some of the more kind and hospitable and interesting people. If you watch TV, you think that there's quite a lot of um, violence. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, there is. <laughs> That's not entirely wrong. Um, what have people been surprised? I think some Australians have thought Americans are all quite wealthy, and that's certainly not the case. There's mm -hmm. a vast, vast gap. There's a few very rich people. There's quite a few people who are working hard and getting by very well. Um, I don't think it's ever entirely secure in the United States. Yeah. You might want to take my views with not a grain of salt, but a little bit of salt because, like I said, I haven't lived there for quite a long time. Yeah. I do go back a lot, and I'm 
sometimes quite shocked by the disparities in income and opportunity. Apart from that Americans are <laughs> supposedly wealthy, are there any other common misconceptions maybe that you've come across in... That people have asked me about. Yeah. I have had people say, do you see kangaroos walking down the street? <laughs> well, actually you do in Hobart, but at the time I was living in Melbourne, so I had to say yeah. no. And then friends came to visit and they were, they were sort of very keen to see the wildlife. And we um, we go out into the bush and look. <laughs> Didn't always see the wildlife. But, um, yeah, I think many Americans don't realize that, that just how urban a society it is here. Yeah, actually more urban than the United States, Yeah, really. Yeah, um, there aren't as many little towns kind of scattered. Yeah, yeah, I think something like 90% of our population is in urban, the urban centers. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, but narrowing down to what about Tasmania? Like, I mean, now that you communicate with friends in America, what's their um, perception of Tasmania as far as... Well, our friends now know that Tasmania is a state of Australia. It's not its own country. <laughs> and have a better idea, I think, of the differences between government, mm -hmm. um, both federal systems, but quite different in the way that, that the government operates and the elections... Um, people have been very surprised that voting is compulsory. Yeah. And I've had some very heated discussions with quite progressive Americans who think, you have to vote. It's kind of a violation of your freedom, isn't it? No, it makes things more representative. Mm. It, and the fact that we've got the, the um, ranked choice voting means yeah. that, that minor parties, which arguably the Greens are a minor party, hopefully not for long, but we do have representation now in both federal and state parties. Living in Australia, having maybe changed your outlook on some aspects of American society. Yeah, some um, cultural things. Uh, back in Melbourne, I was I think at a party and there were quite a few people there who were actors in, in the arts, and this, that, and the other. And someone happened to casually mention, oh, for that period of time when I was on the dole. Mm -hmm. And I went, oh, on the dole, you're admitting it. And it was, it became clear that it was sort of like a, a temporary measure, because mm -hmm. you don't get acting jobs every week. There are periods of time where there's nothing on. But there was no shame about saying, look, sometimes many people need to use a safety net. Mm -hmm. And that was quite a revelation for me okay. to, to look on it as something that, that, yeah, it's something we should have. It's something we should all contribute to. And it's something that people shouldn't be ashamed of using because, yeah, we need the arts. Yeah. So that's, that would be different in the United, that conversation would be different in the U.S.? Well, look, I don't know that many people who are in the arts only in the U.S., but this is just me. I know people who teach arts and drama and theater and film and things in universities, but I don't personally know that many people who are doing that. The people I have met had other jobs and were scraping to keep it together. And I think there is a kind of a, a, a not a true desperation, but a, 
there's a stigma mm-hmm. attached to utilizing what remains of any kind of safety net in the U.S. What are aspects, some aspects in Australian life or society that um, America could adopt in a positive yeah. Or America could benefit from knowing more about. Okay. To, um, not to be, to trot out a little truism, but the fair go, mm-hmm. fairness, um, the idea of making things available to everybody, not giveaways, not the sort of um, negative idea of handouts or dependence or anything like that, but just take care of one another. Mm-hmm. Um, the tax system, I think, is com- considerably more fair here okay. than it is in the U.S. I mean, again, we're moving in the wrong direction on that, too. Mm-hmm. But uh, community feeling rather than competition. Mm-hmm. Again, we're not you know, saints on that. But there is, to me, anyway, there's a feeling of more camaraderie rather than always trying to best other people. You can show that you're excellent without beating someone else down. Football, football. There's two different kinds of football. There's three different kinds of football. No, four different kinds of football here. I was not really a sporty kind of girl growing up. I was Mm -hmm. a little bookworm and didn't really get into sports until sort of, you know, a couple of years before we left. And I was going to American football and trying to figure out what was going on and looking one direction when the football was down the other end of the field. But anyway, be that as it may, I never did really quite get it. Came here. Two friends took me to an Aussie Rules game. I was hooked. Okay. Almost immediately. This was the semifinals in 1996, no, 94. Gary Ablett Sr. was still playing for oh. Geelong. And it was a Geelong game. And my friends said, I Eric Katz fan now. And I said, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I also have friends who like the two different kinds of rugby and others who like football, the round kind, soccer, as we mm-hmm. call it. But Aussie rules is the greatest sport in the world. Yeah. And we now have women's professional Aussie rules football, which is my favorite sport in the whole world. <laughs>